0: We'll be in 3 John. It's the third to last book of the Bible, Revelation, and then Jude, then the Epistle of 3 John. Not to be confused with the Gospel of John. So if you're the big book of John, go keep going uh, to the right. If anyone needs a Bible, we've got a gentleman here willing to pass out a Bible. Uh, feel free, if you do not have one, uh, please give. See this as a gift. We certainly want you to be in the word. Take it. Enjoy it. Wear out the covers and get another one. All right. It's living and powerful, sharper than any two-edged sword, able to discern between the soul and spirit and the thoughts and the intents of the heart. All right. John, one chapter. Now, as we're reading it, We'll do a little crazier, Pat's not here, so we can do a little crazy stuff. There's a couple of, there's a key word in this book that could be the theme to the whole book. Can you find that key word? I'll give you a hint, it's got a vowel in it. Also, there are some natural breaks in this book. There's a couple key points, there's some natural breaks, and there's a couple words that are repeated, that might be Clues to the purpose of the book. So don't just uh, drift out. All right. The elder to the beloved Gaius, whom I love in truth. Beloved, I pray that you may prosper in all things and be in health, just as your soul prospers. For I rejoice greatly. When brethren came and testified of the truth that is in you, just as you walk in the truth, I have no greater joy than to hear that my children walk in truth. Beloved, you do faithfully whatever you do for the brethren and for strangers who have borne witness of your love before the church. If you send them forward on their journey in a manner worthy of God, you will do well, because they went forth for his namesake, taking nothing from the Gentiles. We, therefore, ought to receive such that we may become fellow workers for the truth. Now, I wrote to the church, but Diotrephes, who loves to have their preeminence among them, does not receive us. Therefore, if I come, I will call to mind his deeds, which he does, prating against us with malicious words and not content with that, he hinders, I'm sorry, he himself does not receive the brethren and forbids those who wish to, putting them out of the church. Verse 11, beloved, do not imitate what is evil, but what is good. He who does good is of God, but he who does evil has not seen God. Demetrius has a good testimony from all, and from the truth itself. And we also bear witness, and you know that our testimony is true. I had many things to write, but I don't wish to write to you with pen and ink, but I hope to see you shortly, and we shall speak face to face. Peace to you. Our friends greet you, and greet the friends by name. All right, let's pray. And now, Father, our Holy Father in heaven, our Heavenly Father, who loves us tremendously. We, we have your word right here, this small, little, timeless letter. Lord, we just now pray, I pray, Lord, open our hearts. We say that in many times in prayer, but Lord, it's Sunday. May, may it may probably be a rough week, home, life, work, issues, sickness, Speak to our hearts, Lord. Holy Spirit, you are the same yesterday, today, and forever. Quicken our minds to memories, issues, verses. Convict us, instruct us, encourage us, reprove us. Let us relish your word. Let Let us find our identity in it. Help us to grow, Lord. We thank you for this time. Father, we, we pray for our troops who are out there, men and women, moms and dads, sons and daughters, fighting for our freedom. We put our trust in you, Father, but we're thankful for the men and women who gives us this freedom to sustain this freedom where we can read and study publicly and we can worship you as much as we want freely. Please protect them. Be with our president, our vice president, our Congress, even with those we totally disagree with. Bless them. Thank you, Lord. Lord, bless Pastor Pat in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, take a seat. All right. Pastor Chuck said, the heart can only handle what the seat can handle. It's always good to stand up and handle it. All right, now, before we get into that, we're going to jump to 1 John chapter 2. So I'm sorry, yeah, Epistle of John chapter 2, and the reason is we have a little bit of a model of what's going on in 1 John and 3 John. 1 John chapter 2, verse 12. No, not four minutes. Oh, will Stop. First John 2 verse 12. He says, I write to you little children because your sins are forgiven you for his name's sake. I write to you fathers because you have known him who is from the beginning. I write to you young men because you have overcome the wicked one. I write to you little children because you have known the father. And I write to you fathers because you've known him who is from the beginning. I write to you young men because you are strong and the word of God abides in you and you have overcome the wicked one. John right here kind of gives us a synopsis of the, what the Christian life should look like real quick. You're, you're born again. You're a babe in Christ. You're a babe. And then you should be maturing into a young man. You should be seasoning. And the Word of God should be strong in you. And then at the end, you should become an elder. And he wraps up the elder. Basically, it's just knowing God having fellowship with him. So we see a progression. What the Christian life ...should be looking like in a macro view. Now, if you go to 3 John, we've got a cast of characters in here. they are kind of clues in here about... Look, like, we, have, we have the great-grandfather, the father-daddy of Christianity, right? The mafioso. We've got the elder. We've got John, right? My children. You know, this is John the elder. He is with Jesus from the beginning... He has seen ministry for the last 60 years. He's seen Christianity blossom. He knows what it is to walk with Christ, to be a pastor, to be boiled in oil. All that is Christ. He knows what the Christian life should look like right here. We have the grandfather, we have the elder, we have like the revolutionary forefather. Then we have a seasoned father in this, and that would be Demetrius right here. Right here. He's strong. He's, not, he's seasoned, he's mature, and he's growing, and he's actually raising disciples up, could be. But he's a mature uh, father, a young man, 30th in the Christ, and then we have a younger soldier, a cadet, and that would be Gaius. And we also have a villain in this text, too. Don't know how he became a villain. Was he always a villain? Did he soften to the dark side like King Saul? Don't know. But we have some casting and characters, but we see a progression from uh, 1 John and to 3 John. Now, Pastor Pat, uh, as a distinctive of Calvary Chapel, we love to teach verse by verse through the Bible. This is our meat. This is our life source. Jesus said, if you are my disciple, you are abiding in my word. From Genesis to Revelation, this is just a core pillar of uh, our denomination, our just going through the Bible, verse by verse. Verse and he's been going through Proverbs and then he took a break to do a topical series of the distinctions of being a Calvary chapel. Last week he spoke on the rapture of the church, pre tribulation rapture, one of our hopes, a wonderful promise, a reality before the great tribulation, before God spanks the world for refusing Christ, he pulls up his believers to be with Jesus forever and ever and ever. Wonderful, wonderful problems. If you don't know Christ, if you have not been born again, if your sins have not been covered by the Lamb, you're in trouble. You're in trouble. If you've accepted Christ and you're washed by the blood and your sins have been covered by His blood and you realize I'm a sinner and you're walking with him, and you're abiding in Christ, you're not in trouble. Easy enough. Because when God the Father opens up, the, Jesus opens the seals and brings the tribulation, where are you going to be? And he pulls us out. He never pours his wrath upon his believers. And so, if you know Christ, don't have to worry about the, uh, the uh, tribulation. If you're not in Christ. Bad news. All right. So, back to Third John. And right now, verse 1, the elder to the beloved Gaius, whom I love in truth. Now, uh, early church tradition attests this book to the authorship of John the Disciple, who wrote 2 John, who also wrote 1 John, who wrote the Gospel of John and the book of Revelation. And uh, Tertullian, Clement, all our early church fathers gave this book to John, and probably written, some say 60 A.D., some 85, 90, at the end of his life, at the end of his ministry. He was a fisherman, as you know. He was a son of Zebedee. Jesus had come and follow me with his brother James. And then they walked with Jesus for three years. He was part of the inner three with Peter. He was there at the Mount Transfiguration when he was changed, when Jesus was changed into the, his glory. He was there at the cross. Where Jesus said to him, John, my mother, and Mary, mom, your son. He was there at the resurrection. He was there at Pentecost. And then uh, tribulation came for him, or I should say persecution came for him. He actually was, as tradition says, boiled in oil. He actually survived. He actually was taken to the island of Patmos for the testimony of Christ in Revelation chapter 1. He was given the wonderful book of Revelation and then tradition says he then left, went to the city of Ephesus and pastored there, no doubt, became an elder grandfather to the churches, you know, starting, uh, organizing churches and leading Bible studies, all that in Ephesus in Asia Minor. So we see John, Elder John, this is where we get Presbyter, Presbyterian, he is an elder, the grandfather, old shepherd. And now he's writing to his beloved Gaius. And Gaius, it seems like, seems to be a young, thriving believer. A disciple. Don't know much about him so much. We we have some other Gaiuses in Acts. Those other ones were persecuted uh, with Paul. Different Gaius. And Gaius means of the land of the earth. You've probably heard of Gaia. With witchcraft, loving mother earth, his name means of the land. Interesting in Latin, his name means to rejoice. It's kind of a fun little play in words in verse 3 and 4. So he loves Gaius. And the word beloved is from the word agape. And we see the highest form of love for him. It's in truth. Now notice, notice, teaching pause. Notice the lack of the word the. Important right there. Important. You don't see it so much in the English, but in the Greek, very important without the word that, Now, we do see the word the later on in verse 8. But here in the truth. Now, when we were reading this book, did you notice the lack of the name of Jesus. Hmm, interesting. Hmm, interesting. But we see John is referring to truth. And of course, it harkens back to John 14:6. Jesus, I am the way, the truth, and the life. Absolute truth centers in the person of God revealed in Jesus. And we bear everything, all our decisions, and life itself through Jesus. And here, without the word the, you can say, I love you in the realm, and here in the Greek it's wonderful, in the realm of all that is Christ, all that is true, which encompasses the gospel, all the promises of yes and I am, Jesus, I, I will be with you to the end of the age, I am with you and in you, I am promising the Holy Spirit with you, and I'll be with you forever and eternity, all in the realm of truth. And I'm loving you in this realm right here, in the spirit of Jesus. As a master teacher, as the elder, he knows what's truly important. He walks with Christ. And now he's loving that bondship with Gaius in Christ, in that. He's received the love from Jesus and now he's sharing that communion with Christ, with him. This is just a reality that should be occurring in all of us at any church, at a Bible study, if we just see each other at Walmart or here at church. We have this communal bond. This, this is not because we study the Bible. It's just not because we're in Manteca. It's just not because we're middle class Christians. It's because we're united by the person of Jesus Christ, the resurrected one. And there should be some outflow of love because we're connected by God, the Holy Spirit, and in the person of Jesus. If you look at First John, John said, That which was from the beginning, which we have heard, which we have seen with our eyes, which we have looked upon our hands, have handled talking about Jesus. He was a real guy, flesh and blown. The word of life, the life was manifested and we have seen and bear witness and declare to you that eternal life, life itself, pulsating life, was with the Father and was manifested to us in the person of Jesus, that which we have seen and heard and we declare to you that you also may have fellowship with us and truly our fellowship is it's with the Father and with His Son Jesus Christ. And these things I, we write to you that your joy may be full. As a he's all and said and done. What we have is eternal life. And that's knowing God the Father and knowing Jesus. And we have that intense fellowship. Peter said. He has pulled us out of darkness into his marvelous light. Who once were not a people, but now are people. And we're now in this realm of this cross love between God the Father and the Son. And we're in that crossfire of love. And we're in that total fellowship. And that's, as we're in Christ, that should be a natural outflow for one another. It's a beautiful reality. And because he's walking with Jesus this whole time, he's just... More, less of him, more of Christ, he then sees through the lens of Christ towards others, and he has the love of the Father towards others, towards Gaius. And Gaius is res- receiving in the Spirit, receiving all that is in Christ in that fellowship, in the realm of Jesus, in truth. And so he has so much love because he's receiving from the Father through Gaius, and Gaius is responding. You know, for parents... We have so much just natural love for our children, and that love just naturally blooms more when they get receive love. <laughs> you know, we love pictures, like at Target, or, well, you don't shop at Target because, you know, you're sinners. But um, Walmart, but we all love pictures of, we all see the happy um, pictures of the mom with the kids around her neck, and, and, the, and you know, the dad, and the three little kids, and it's just a happy family, right? And the just typical, you know, clip art, right? Happy family, happy mom, happy dad. We got our shots. We got our flu shots, right? But you never see teenagers with them. Why? You'll never see a teenagers with them. You'll never see that. Like, because uh, <laughs> Instagram, sick like my family. Done now. Can I have 10 bucks. Thank you. You know, you'll never, you know, that. But when they receive the love back to you, it's even greater. It's even greater. Cecily dropped off uh, Isaac and she saw a kid. You know, mom was dropping off a girl. Bye, bye, Susie. Bye, mom. Oh, I, w- I wish we could have that, you know. <laughs> receiving that love back. <laughs> receiving that love. And that's how it is. With, with, we have Gaius and John. And there's just a mutual love back for each other. Just a mutual love back. John is receiving from the father with Jesus and he's receiving it and there's that joy now he's extending it to Gaius that love of the father and it's just great he loves it and i love you in truth a good leader is always initiating love a father or a mother should be initiating love always always they're not their love is not contingent upon the baby receiving or the child or the teenager love back that's conditional Parents should always just be initiating love. And leaders are initiating love. We're looking to give to love. That's how it should be, just naturally growing. And if you're a leader in the church and growing in church, you're receiving it. And now the maturation is you're looking, who can I love? Who needs to be ministered? Who needs an act of kindness? It should just be a natural father because the father's always looking to love. He's always looking to love. Mature Christ. Then, okay, I receive it. Now, who needs love? Who needs love? Who needs a touch? And John is doing that to Gaius. I love you. I love you. I love you. Because we're in Christ. So he's writing that right off the bat. To the beloved Gaius, whom I love in the realm of truth. In the realm of Jesus. In the realm of the spirits. Now, each Book of the Bible has a thesis. And I I don't have a lisp. A thesis. It's a big fancy word, which means main reason, purpose. From Genesis to Revelation, each book has a distinct reason why it's in the Bible. Just not haphazard. Every book Amos, Hosea, Jude, Mark they all have. Different purposes in the understanding of God and the plan of redemption. And it's our job to try to figure it out. Sometimes the main reason or main purposes are very clearly stated. Sometimes they're not. But it's our job to try to figure them out. Now we might disagree what's the main purpose of each book. That's okay as long as we're trying to figure out more and more and more. Each, as we're setting ourselves to prove, because then as we're studying it, we're understanding the Bible more, and then we're understanding God more and his plan more. But at least we're growing in that understanding. Now, if you try to figure out First John, you'll go crazy. It's, they're, they're there. But Third John's a little bit easier. He has natural breaks, beloved, right here. So for point one is first beloved. And then again, verse five, we have another break, beloved. And then verse 11 uh, beloved, so we have three points in this letter, three purposes John is writing to him. Now, per- verse one, or uh, point one. Beloved, I pray that you may prosper in all things and be in health, just as your soul prospers. For I rejoice greatly when brethren came and testified of the truth that is in you, just as you walk in the truth. I have no greater joy than to hear that my children walk in truth. So off the bat, I love you. And now, this is the beauty of teaching verse by verse. It keeps the teacher in check with the word. Some teachers will just do topical and they'll take a verse out and then teach on that verse without maybe teaching the context of that verse and therefore you can have a personal agenda and the congregation is at the mercy of the agenda dangerous times in the middle ages when the laity the church people did not have the scriptures for themselves and so they were at the mercy of the church leadership. And so, of course, they're learned, and it was in Latin, and everyone else spoke German or English or Spanish. And so they're at the mercy. And therefore, the leadership could say whatever they want. And therefore, hopefully you have a good teacher, maybe not. Ever here, every time, as a, a coin in the coffer springs or... Drops, up comes a soul. How's it go? The women know this one, of course. And so, (laughs) Tetzel was saying, you throw the money in the coffin, or the coffer, and then a soul out of purgatory comes free. Which means... Why would you let grandma burn in the flames of purgatory for millions of years when you have the opportunity to release her right now? How can you sit there while she's tormenting you? Can you hear her screams? Can you hear them? Can you hear them? When you can release them right now, give. can't you sacrifice a little bit for grandma to go into the loving arms of their savior, the loving hands of the angels right now? How can you sit there when I don't have a Leather rope. I mean, uh, so the people are at the mercy because they didn't know it was by faith alone in Christ, the finished work of Christ, in the cross, that you get salvation. And not through doling out money to the church. And because then the church was abused and they didn't have the word of God to learn from. And then 1517, one of the most important dates of all history is when Martin Luther said, I protest this, I protest this. I protest this. This is not of Christ. This is not of Christ at all. This is not of my God. It's by faith alone in Christ. Faith alone in Christ. Jesus said, Jesus said, foxes have holes and birds have nests, but I have nowhere laid my head. And he was the cheap shepherd. Look at you. I protest this. Let's clean up. He didn't want to revolt from the church. He wanted to clean it up. It's by faith alone in Christ. We don't need the money. We need to love them. Of course, the Catholic Church, much of the leadership didn't like that. It was hurting their wallet. And Martin Luther said, fine. And he he wrote the book, New Testament, first in German, and then the Old Testament. And they had the word of God. They had the word of God. And they can see it was by faith alone in Christ. They can have salvation. And so here, why do I say this? Because verse 2, it's kind of dying out. But it says, I pray that you may prosper in all things and be in Health, just as your soul prospers. There's a nasty doctrine, name it and claim it. A prosperity doctrine. God wants you to be happy and fat and wealthy. Can I hear an amen, brother? God wants you happy and rich. God wants you rich. And what's holding you back is your faith. What kind of car do you drive? What kind of faith do you have? But, so they'll take this verse, I've heard, Frederick Price, now God has no partiality of people, therefore if you want a gaius to prosper, wouldn't he want you to prosper? Mm -hmm. Can I hear an amen? Uh Uh-huh. Let's pass the offering bucket right now. And so, watch out. This is why we teach verse by verse, and we teach verses in context so we get the whole picture. Get the full picture. Now, it's dying out, but this is why we teach verse by verse by verse. That's why you study verse by verse by verse. So you can, know, you can know the word for yourself. John, here he is, the life of Grandfather John. All that he's been through, he's worked with Christ. He was there before the cross when our Savior put on slaves' clothes and washed the feet of the disciples right before the cross. And that's when Jesus said, I want you all fat, happy, and rich, and here's the winning lotto uh, numbers. No. No. And so he's saying, I just want you to be healthy and prospering. Have a great day. Just like anybody else. All right. Talk to you later. Do well. Hope you're great. Have a great journey. All right. God bless you. Just a simple salutation. Because later on, right then, he explains, I rejoice greatly when brother and the other brothers And they're talking about you, bro. They testify to the truth that's in you. Not only do you believe in Jesus, you have mental assent. But right now, right now, you're actively discipling. You're actively doing. You're actually ministering to others. You believe this gospel and you're acting accordingly. And others are testifying about you to me. I'm being blown away, right? Right? How many want to hear great reports about our children from school? Hey, I saw your kid the other day. Thumbs up. Oh, man, thank you. I'm hearing reports. You not only assent to the belief in the gospel, you have a lifestyle of the gospel. You have a lifestyle of the gospel. If you were wearing a baseball hat right now and put on your favorite team shirt, it would be the gospel. That's what you're rooting for. The gospel. And not just walking with Jesus and not just living for Jesus, but doing what you can and getting the gospel out. Because that by the end of the day is what's important. Go and make disciples. Go and make disciples. Here, right here. And he says, I have no greater joy than to hear that my children walk in truth. Notice what he doesn't say. I have no greater joy than to hear my children went to college, got six figure incomes, have four cars, they have grandchildren, and they vote Republican. (laughs) Here he is. He's at the end of his road. No greater joy. He's walking in the truth. Again, the realm of Jesus Christ. Now, if you're a Christian, Christ is working on your life. And sometimes circumstances are going, which the world says, contrary. But if you put your faith in Christ, you're walking with him, you're being obedient, and sometimes circumstances happen, good or bad. But you know you're walking with Christ and things may not make sense. But if right now, if even though things aren't making sense, or you're prayers aren't being answered but you know you're seeking Christ you're walking with Jesus you are successful you are successful contrary to what the world says here's John he walked with Jesus he's shooting for heaven because that's eternity and he's walked with Christ now his children are walking with Christ and he says don't Think as the world thinks. The world thinks, eat, drink, and be merry, for tomorrow we die. No, for tomorrow we live. And our life is not based upon this life. And your circumstances, look at my face, I'm boiled. I look worse than the emperor. But you're walking with Christ. Job lost everything. He was walking with God he was worshiping for his children every day Joseph was in prison for 13 years for things he didn't do David was running from Saul whom he was serving yet they were all following God and they were successful they were successful so if you're walking with Christ right now in circumstances are contrary to your happiness don't fret God's using that. You're successful. You may not, you might even die penniless or be in debt. But you are a success. And when you go before God he's going to say, well done. I know someone, a spiritual mentor, always scraping by. Always. But oh man, when he prays he's walking with Christ. He's walking with Christ. Right here. I have no greater joy. No greater joy. My children are walking in truth. Even if things aren't According to the world. Back then, 90 AD, what was the world looking for? Riches? Having one night stands? Sports teams? Gladiator teams? Same stuff? Here he says, no. As a Christian, we think differently. Do not be conformed to this world, but be renewed by the renewing of your mind, eternity, 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 eternity. And then, so first point, you're walking with Jesus. Awesome! You not only believe it, you have a lifestyle getting the gospel out. Awesome! Thumbs up. Point two, beloved, you now, beloved Gaius, you're doing faithfully whatever you do for the brethren. So now we're seeing as you walking with Jesus, we're seeing a lifestyle. Um, we're seeing his actions that reflect that they're helping their brethren and strangers. If you send them forward on their journey, matter worthy of God, you will do well. So right now, back then, they didn't have nice little established churches with buildings and all that. They had groups, and they're sending missionaries here, 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 here. And if a missionary comes to this church, it was expected then you to host them, to give them a room, um, and meals and all that. And as they're sharing, doing doing the Bible studies, then they go on to the next city and proclaim it and then they would host that so if god called missionaries and itinerant preachers and teachers they'd be out in the other churches who are expected to host them now we don't do that so much now as a society because we have a lot of churches and buildings and all this stuff so we're a little different mindset but still is are we have that mindset of gaius do we have a lifestyle of getting the gospel out and that could just simply sing someone in a, a practical need. Hey, I give this to you in the name of Christ. Or you give them a tract. Or it's helping out missionaries. Or helping out Wycliffe getting Bible translations across. Or it's getting Bibles like the Gideon's Fund. It's getting the gospel out. It's helping at Fun Fest, not trying to plug that necessarily. It's getting the gospel out. Do we have a mindset? of getting the gospel. Now, it's very, in America, uh, Paul wrote, do not weary in growing good because we like to get lax and comfortable and, oh my goodness, Netflix. It's time to go to work. What happened to those last 11 hours? Oh no, again. Um, We get distracted here in America, and I'm sure the world, we get distracted on the focus. We get distracted. Of course, those things are good, but through Christ, we have things more in perspective. We have an opportunity daily to be investing like Gaius into things of eternity, our money, our time, our resources. I had a friend in the 90s I was going to Assembly God church and he told me his dad, he was a very rich, richy, rich kid, richy, rich kid. His dad had an opportunity to invest in the company probably, I think, in the 60s, 70s, started in Fresno. It's called Visa. <laughs> he didn't invest. I had the opportunity. I Googled it real quick last night. It, it did $4 trillion, four trillion in sales. 1.23 or 1.46 billion cardholders. It's right now. He missed out. And, that, and now people are thinking do I invest in Bitcoin or not? You know, Do I invest now so I get maximum gains now? Still, we still have breath. We have still an opportunity to invest into eternity. Jesus said if you give a cup of water in my name, you're receiving him and you're receiving the one whom he sent. And of course I was sharing this wonderful truth to my wife and I never share these truths because then she tells me this wonderful nugget. It takes me five minutes to express a truth and she says well, no risk and definite guarantee. Darn it! That's why you don't have women teach because they can do everything better in one minute. There is no risk, zero risk when you invest in giving the gospel out. None. And you always have a guarantee in return. Always have a guarantee. So right now, may the Lord's uh, poking at your heart. You know, it doesn't have to be our church. Getting the gospel it could be the Manteca Gospel Mission. You know, I get letters from you know the LA Mission to, for Thanksgiving dinners, Christmas dinners, the Gospel Modesto Gospel Mission, the Manteca Gospel Mission outreaches. And again, we have money and no pressure. I hate pressure tactics because we are going to take six offerings for me and my yacht afterwards. But no pressure tactics. But you and the Lord. You and the Lord invest into eternity, invest in the gospel. Why? Because others need Christ. Because if they don't get Christ, they're going to hell again. Now, as a Christian, when do you know when do you give and when do you not give? A little practical truth. People you know, like, I see homeless. Hey, man, knocking at your window. It's a red light, bro. Really? You know, you know do you have any change? Bro, your phone is more expensive than mine. Um, You know, but then you think, oh, man, I should give because Jesus said if I don't give, you know, oh, no. Here is when you see the need yourself, when you see the need and you feel like I should give, probably the Holy Spirit, then be obedient. If there's, like, pressuring, hey, man, do you have any money? If it's pressure, if there's laden with guilt, come on, man, how much do you really? If it's guilt, not of the Spirit. Now you can still give, and you're like, Lord, all right, I just want to give off my back. But if there's pressure, probably not of the Spirit. If there's, you just feel like he's, there's a need. They need something. I just, you I, I know, they, this needs something. Or i got to help them out. Or it just, it tugs at your heart. You, you kind of want to, or sometimes there's the, you know, like, I don't want to give my money. That's just your flesh. But you're like, I should. That's the Spirit. And you know if you have kids or teenagers? Dad, I need a jacket. Alright, you got your jacket. Um, Dad, um I'll never yell at my brother and sister if you give me an iPhone ten. Come on, Dad. Dad, come on, Dad. Not of the spirit. So right there, if you feel like you should, and you need to, yeah. Pressure, guilt, manipulation, not of the spirit. Verse 9. Now, the villain, I wrote to the church, but Diotrephes, who loves to have the preeminence among them, does not receive us. Therefore, if I come, I'll call to mind his deeds, which he does, prating against us with malicious words, and not content with that. He himself does not receive the brethren, and forbids those who wish to, putting them out of the church." Right now we have a character, we don't know where he comes from, who he's at. But it's an issue that John the grandfather wants to address in this precious church of his. And we don't know if he started off well like King Saul, this Geotrophy, this bishop, this leader, this pastor. Or he was just a wolf sneaking in. We don't know. It's a mystery. We don't, he just says, but it's a reality right now. And we don't know as he confronts it if he repents or he gives him the boot. We don't know. But it was an issue that had to be addressed because the church was getting abused, hurt, bullied, victimized. And John says there's an issue, we have to address it. It's a leader named Diotrephes. Diotrephes means nourished by Jupiter, which is interesting because it's Jupiter... Was the leader of the Roman pantheon, false, total false Godhead. He's not being nourished by the Spirit. Sometimes in our hearts, we have the flesh, the flesh. And this, sometimes we start well, but then we get distracted and we want all the we, we start to grow and want the attention for ourselves. We want to use a church for self glory. Maybe it's attention, maybe prominence, or we get jealous of others being used. Or sometimes people just come in and use a system. Again, this is why we teach verse by verse so we can say, aha, aha, a bad guy. This geotrophy is right here love the preeminence, constantly thriving to have all the attention. That's what the word means right there. Wanting, thinking, meditating, always looking ways, using the church for glory, for attention. And we got to be careful in that in our hearts. Jesus said to the Pharisees, woe to you. You tell others to do all these great burdens, but you don't do it yourself. They love the great places. Now, Gaius, watch out for the geotrophies and also in your heart. You're starting out great, but watch out. Corruption could come in. Watch out for that wanting attention. And here are some clues to know if you're becoming a di- geotrophies. You're not receiving other brethren. You're prating excessively nagging about people, talking maliciously about them. You don't want people to be part of the brethren and you're forbidding them to come. You're not becoming cliquish. You enjoy your group and you don't want others to come in. They don't fit in. Watch out for this. And John is hating this so much. He was there from the very beginning. Jesus is. John the Baptist said, he must increase, I must decrease. He was there when Jesus said, the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and give his life as a ransom for many. A true leader is giving and serving and learning and growing and laying his life more and more and more. And so we're going to deal with it. We have church discipline going on right here. We're going to have an issue. And so, of course... Here in this church, hopefully there aren't deatrophies, but we got to watch out. That in my heart. King Saul started well as a humble farmer, but then he loved the praises of men. And when a younger Christian came along saying, Name King David, he slew the ten thousands. He was only slaying thousands, and he was getting jealous. Are we getting jealous when it seems like God is using others and not me? Because the result should be, hey, The gospel's going out. He's using him. Great, hallelujah, wonderful. Because Jesus is getting glory. Others are coming to know him. They're becoming part of the fellowship. But if we're not abiding, we kind of slowly drift to ourselves and we get, I know I do, kind of focused on me. I get focused on me. We got to watch out for that. And even to the extent where Diotrephes was putting them out, it's actually casting out. The same word that Jesus would cast out demons, casting them out of the church. Pastor Pat has such a heart. He says, always telling the leadership, be careful the sheep aren't getting hurt or abused. Watch out. Watch out. Be very careful how you treat them, because some of them are coming from hurt, uh, they're hurt at other churches. They're hurt. They're used by the pastors. They felt victimized for money or for being used in service and taken for granted or whatnot. Watch out. Be careful. Be careful. And if you blow it, you know, I've blown it. And I had to ask for forgiveness. You know, watch out for that. Accept. Be gentle. Be like Christ. And then, right now, verse 11. Do not imitate what is evil, but what is good. He who does good is of God. But he who does evil has not seen God. Demetrius has a good testimony from all and from the truth itself. And we also bear witness. And you know that our testimony is true. So now, verse 11, here's that key word. Imitate. Here's that key word for the whole book. Imitate. Mimic. Daily discipleship. Daily discipleship. Daily walking with Christ and being obedient. Studying the Bible. This is why it's so important to study the Bible. You see how the faith of Abraham, you see Moses daily going into the tent of meeting every day seeking God. You see Daniel seeking God three times a day despite the law against it. We see Joseph so conscious of the presence of God when he has an opportunity to have a great one night stand with a beautiful woman. He says, no, how can I do such a wicked thing against God? Like, wow, no one would ever know. How many times has that Pharaoh, a Pharaoh no, the Potiphar's wife, been doing it? No, I'm not. He had such a presence of God. And if he had it, even without the Bible and just oral tradition, and he can have such a presence of God, I can too. And I happen to have the Bible. And we study David. Search me, O oh God, and know my heart. and See if there's any wicked thing against me. Imitate these things. I... And there's a city of Upland, and I was doing some studies, and then there's a little portico area, and this guy was putting murals on the walls. He was, um, he was uh, asked to put murals, a painter, and I'm kind of we saw him a few times. And he says, I copy the masters. I copy the masters. He would actually go through the Mona Lisas. He would do Monet's. He would do other famous artists to learn from them. he actually do the actual strokes to learn how they did those effects and those strokes. He said, I copy the masters, and you learn from them. And so us copy the masters, the grandfathers of the faith, the mature Christians. How do you do that? Well, keep reading the Bible, taking notes. You see church leaders. Why do I like him? What do I like about him? What is he doing daily that I can learn from and imitate from? Read Christian authors. People of a feather. Think together. Read. Grow. Spurgeon. Morning and. Pastor Chuck would read Morning and Evenings by Spurgeon every day. Devotion in the morning, devotion at night. Pastor Chuck. Hmm. Imitate. Imitate. Mimic copy and now we have Demetrius Gaius learn from Demetrius he's got a good testimony don't know much about him but copy him look at his lifestyle I see Tony back there when he prays I want to slap him he's always thanking the father He's always thanking. There's a sense of gratitude continuously, just effusively bubbling out of him. And then, no, personality does not equal spirituality, because I try to copy him, he slaps me. No, but he's always thanking God. He's just, when you pray, thank him continuously, and then your needs and your problems won't be so big. But he has enough glow and the fellowship is coming from him. Then John writes, I had many things to write, but my hand got tired because I'm old. I don't want to wish, wish to write to you with pen and ink. Hope to see you shortly and we shall speak face to face. Peace to you. Our friends greet you. Greet the others by name. Right here, one little tip of being a Christian is we look out for them and try to reach out to connect with them in a tangible, touchable way. A phone call, hey, how are you doing? A little Real phone call, not a text. A real phone call, not a Facebook message. A real phone call going to them goes a long way with a believer. Leaders greet them by name. We go out to them. No one noticed when I didn't go to church anymore. No one knows I don't go. Uh, no one knows I don't go to church. You know why? Because it's all about you. Spiritual selfie. I just hope everyone recognizes me. Do they recognize me? I hope they recognize me. I hope they recognize me. If you're looking to minister to others, you're not looking to be recognized. You're looking to give to love, because the Father's giving to you. And if you're always, Jesus is better to give than to receive. If you're looking to give and minister and to pray and touch, you're not concerned if they noticed you because you're noticing them. 'Cause your eyes are on them and on God. But if you're noticing on you, then then you're it's you're not noticing God. You're giving, you're giving, you're giving. Because you're maturing, you're walking with Christ. You're abiding in Him. Peace to you, our friends greet you, greet the friends by name. Let's pray.